0: Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guests. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Now, I've got a real treat for y'all today. I am actually here with a couple that does intermittent fasting together. I'm here with Todd and Nicole Hashie, who are from Brewer, Maine. Todd is a pharmacist, and Nicole is also in healthcare, and she works for a a hospital there in Maine. So, welcome, Todd and
1: Nicole. Thanks, Jan. I'm so excited to be here
0: with
2: you today. Yeah, I'm very excited also.
0: So, I like to start off by asking my guests how you found out about intermittent fasting. And, you know, since there are two of you here, which one of you found out about it first? You know, how did that go? So I'll just let you all get started.
1: Well, that would be me. And I discovered intermittent fasting through my friend, Kim Smith. And as we all pretty much know in the Facebook community, how much success she's had. And she's released a book. And she's done a lot of great things for the fasting community. And we went to the same high school. So I watched her um, weight loss on Facebook. And at one point she must, she wasn't really talking about intermittent fasting at that time, but she must have said something in a post that kind of sparked my interest. So I sent her a private message and she said that she was doing intermittent fasting and she went into a little bit of detail about it and then then encouraged me to buy your book, which of course I immediately did. So as she was telling me how she was living this lifestyle, I was like, this sounds amazing. Like I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get the book. So I had ordered that book actually September 29th, 2017. And I immediately started the lifestyle right away. Like I had delayed my breakfast from 730 to like 1030. And I gradually increased my window and then your book came, and I just completely devoured the book. And I remember sitting on the couch while Todd was making dinner, and I actually remember we were having taco salads that night. And I was reading a lot of the passages out loud to him. I was like, "This is so amazing! Doesn't that make sense, Todd? Doesn't this make sense?" And he's like, "Well, yeah that that makes that makes sense." Like, and then I got to the part about you know autophagy and taking out the cellular garbage, and I was like that was my aha moment. Oh my gosh, like that makes perfect sense. So I started right away and Todd was a little doubtful as a pharmacist and a type two diabetic. I don't think he was quite a believer, but he did eventually join me.
2: I was definitely a little skeptical at first. I'm like, how can changing what time you eat really make a difference on the way that your body works. You know, I went to school years and years ago and learned all about how the body works and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like, eh, really? So Nicole finished the book and I waited a little while. I'm going to be honest. I agreed to go along with the experiment and see what was going on. But it was probably, I want to say, two weeks or so before she's like, are you going to read that book? Are you going to read the book? It's really good. (laughs) So so she gave it to me one night. And it was... I want to say it was probably 7, 730. And I was like, okay, I'll read the book. So I started reading the book and I was done that night. Now your writing style is you know, like real. for me, it was really easy to just like suck right to it and get right into it and just blaze right through the book. And at the end, I was like, okay, now I see what she's got going on and what Nicole's been talking about. And I'm like, all right, I'll give this a whirl. So I, I did my own little bit of research and you know, I stuck with it through probably the next, I want to say three or four months. And um, through that process, joining the group and uh, doing my own individual research, or as I've, I've heard it referred to as the experiment of one, I came across Dr. Fo and I, I picked up the diabetes code, being a diabetic, I've been diabetic for about you know 12 or 13 years. And I I picked up that book and I'm like, okay, now this is, you know, as a pharmacist, as a medical professional, looking at, you know, the scientific side of it, I'm like, okay, now I got it. And putting the two together was when I was like, okay, I can commit to this and I'll really, you know, be on board with it.
0: I think that's great. And I understand the the skepticism because, you know, there's so many claims out there, so many different diet books, so many things, you know, that we hear, and then they don't turn out to be really founded in anything. And then you're, you're like, you know, that, of course, that was nonsense. But you, you did some research, you found the, um, the diabetes code. And the fact that that was written by a doctor probably really helped reinforce that, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was, that was my moment. And yeah, I just said your stuff. I don't want to you know, that was like my primer and my introduction. I was like, okay, there's, you know, you covered enough science. And again, I'm, as a pharmacist and a medical person, it's like, I totally get where you're going and, you know, for the general audience, but I needed that little bit more being that, that healthy scientist skeptic. And I was just like, all right, now that I found Dr. Fung, I'm like, okay, now I really understand all of this. So.
0: Good, good. and And I don't take any kind of insult with that because I think that that's true. I think that I'm trying to reach people who may not have the science background, but I definitely encourage everyone who wants to go deeper into the science to read The Obesity Code and or The Diabetes Code. I've read both of them now. took me a while to get to The Diabetes Code because I was like, you know, is this really going to be different? It really was. Have you read The Obesity Code also, Todd?
2: I have not yet. I thumbed through the beginnings of it and having read The Diabetes Code, I was like, this Resonates more with me being diabetic. That I was like, ah, I really, I know I really need to commit to you know digging deeper into the obesity code because I know go hand, but I really haven't, I haven't made the time to to commit to it as much as I would like to.
0: Well, it does take a long time to get through it because he's got a lot of content in there. But yeah, the diabetes code is really where I would start if if I were someone with type two diabetes, I would definitely start with that one.
1: I've read about half of the book. And I really love, I really love his message. And it's him and um, Dr. Burt Herring as well. I just really love them both. And of course, I, you know, came across them because of you recommending them in the book. So that was... That's good. Yeah.
0: I definitely want people to continue to do their own research and and understand it the deeper level. So which of Dr. Herring's books have you read? The Appetite Correction one or also his Fast Five book?
1: Just the Appetite Correction. And I just, I loved his writing style was a lot like yours. It was very easy. It was very easy to digest and understand. So it was um, a really good next level after reading both of your books. Um, It was a good next step to really fully understand what we need to do to heal our bodies and what happens and, and all of that. So it was, it was a great read.
0: Well, good. I'm glad because I think Dr. Herring is awesome and, and I hope that he knows that. (laughs) I think his books are wonderful. His appetite correction book, just like I've talked about the obesity code changed my life because I understood really what fasting should look like. The appetite correction book by Dr. Herring really helped me learn to trust my body's signals more than anything else. Would you say that's what it did for you?
1: Absolutely, 100%. And I would say that, you know, I've been doing this lifestyle since September, or October of 2017. And it really took me until November of 18, to really understand appetite correction. That's when I really started to really listen to my body, and just really become in tune and listen to the cues. So for me, appetite correction took a while. But I stuck with it and and didn't give up, and that's probably the biggest thing for me is just the appetite correction and the, the shifting of the mindset, a healthier mindset, and not focusing on the weight loss.
0: Can you explain that a little bit more in case listeners don't know, in case they haven't read Appetite Correction, they may not have read Delay Don't Deny, they may not know what you mean. Can you explain what you mean by appetite correction and what it felt like to finally achieve that?
1: Yeah. So for me, it was, it was really just kind of learning to remember just that don't let the scale be a a measure tool. Like you have to listen to your body and your body is extremely smart. It will tell you when it's had enough. It will, you know, if you're used to eating a certain size portion and then all of a sudden I can't finish my plate, but you were taught you need to finish your plate after a while, I was like, I'm full, I I cannot eat another bite. And so then I started making my portion smaller. But then still in that mindset, like, oh, I need to eat more, I need to eat more. So it really was just kind of honoring myself and respecting myself and, and just letting the body heal. And let's talk about some sciencey things. And, um, you know, but just learning about, you know, the schedule of it all. And, letting appetite correction.
2: I think for both of us the you know that change it kind of happened at the same time. It's really hard to describe. I I you know being diabetic I have to monitor my blood sugar. So probably back when I got really into the di- the diabetes code I you know the Freestyle Libre. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's basically
0: That's the continual monitoring. Bingo.
2: Yeah. That yep. was an incredibly eye-opening moment for me. I went from testing myself like once or twice a day and just having like a snapshot and your blood sugar for that, you know, that microsecond that you test it is one number, but over the course of the day, that number can change drastically. So getting the Libre to be able to see how my, my blood sugars would change minute by minute. I was literally able to see, wow, you know, when I eat this, this is what happens to my blood sugar. And uh, you know, one of my favorite examples of that is I came home from work one day and I was eh, a little stressed. It was one of those like I need a little bit of comfort food type things. So I I went to the closet and I and I grabbed some chips and queso, and I was like, huh. Well, I got my Libre on. I wonder what that's going to do to my blood sugar. And you know, so I did my little Scanny thing, and it told me before I even ate, I was at like 105. And then over you know I had a couple chips and you know went from there and. I watched over the next hour, hour and a half, as my blood sugar just went boom, 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 all the way up to like 270. Yeah, and as diabetic, that's huge wow. because for me, I I could see direct cause and effect. This is what I put in my mouth. This is what happens to my blood sugar. It was also around this time that you know I had taken your message and like, oh, well, I'm eating in my window. I can you know I can eat what I want in my window. It's a little bit different when you're diabetic. And um, I had adopted a, I'll admit it, it's a bad habit. But at the end of the night, just before I would close out my window, I would have usually an ice cream sundae with usually a brownie and whipped cream underneath. Well, anybody who's diabetic knows that that's not a good idea. But I had it in my head that I was doing the right thing. I'm in my window. I'm following the program. And then when I got the Libre, I would see what would happen to my you know, blood sugar the next morning. And Nicole said to me one night, she's like, do you really think it's a good idea to be having, you know, a brownie Sunday?" I was like, no, I'm in in my window. I'm just, I justified it that way. And I'm like, oh, it's good. It's good. (laughs) And then when I got the Libra, I would see what happened to my blood sugar and I would wake up in the morning and I'd still be in the 150s and 160s, which I don't know, you know, if everybody knows, you know, your normal blood sugar would be like 80 to 110 or 120. But as a diabetic waking up in the morning, having like 160, 170, that's not good.
0: So I I love that that you're explaining this because that is something people often um, do. They think, well, I can. It's in my window. I can, quote, have whatever I want. But because you're measuring, you see what's happening in your body, you realize that because I can doesn't mean that I should,
2: right? I should. yeah, And I I found out quite harshly that that was definitely something I should not be doing. And uh, sure enough, I did. I finished off what we had, of course, because you can't throw away good food, (laughs) even though I should have thrown it away. But I finished it off. And over the course of the next two weeks or so, my, you know, my fasting, you know, as the medical term goes, my fasting blood sugar in the morning, I was down around 105. Which put me firmly in the non-diabetic category
0: Wow and it didn't take long at all that really is amazing yeah I've heard um, people using the Libre before a, a friend of mine who is uh, um, he works in a hospital I think he's in, in Canada somewhere he um, was using the Libre and he's not diabetic he just was using it to see what would happen you know in the the whole Inequal equal one, you know, study of one, wanting to see what would happen and how different foods would affect his body. And, you know, I really think it would be fun to experiment with it just to see. Have you seen that? um, So, Nicole, you said you read Feast Without Fear. Have y'all seen that the video that I have linked in Feast Without Fear, um, Aaron Segal, I believe is his name, that talks about what is the best diet for humans and how people have such a different blood glucose response to the same foods, different people respond differently?
1: I don't know as though I did or not. It's not sounding familiar, but now I'm going to have to check it out.
0: Yeah, go back. It's in the personalized nutrition chapter. So those of you that that haven't read Feast Without Fear, if you go to FeastWithoutFear.com, I have a set of links from the book. Every book, everything, I, I mean, every website, every study, everything I mentioned in Feast Without Fear is linked there. So if you go to the section for the personalized nutrition chapter, there's a link to this YouTube video that is really fascinating. And you know how we've all been told that food has a certain glycemic index, depending on what it is? Yes. Well, it turns out we have personalized glycemic responses. And so some people, for example, ice cream causes their blood glucose to shoot right up. And well, you see, Todd, it did that for you. Whereas other people have a much smaller blood glucose response from that same exact ice cream, but they may have a response to, you know, wheat bread. Versus, It's it's different. And so we've all been told this is the glycemic index of, of wheat bread when really everyone has a personalized response to it. And they found that out by doing this type of continual tracking that people didn't have the same response. It's really fascinating. So ever since I read that, you know, my my doctor friend was tracking his own response. I've wanted to do it too. I really, I, you. Have, I think we have to get a prescription for it, so I'll have to talk to my doctor and see if I can get a prescription for one. But
2: the thing about the Libre is, it's the first time that continuous glucose monitors are affordable. Before, you know, we, you know, I don't want to talk badly about Dexcom, but Dexcom was is, is like the gold standard for continuous glucose monitors, but they cost several thousand dollars. Whereas the Libre, the reader is around hundred dollars, and you know a month of the sensors are about eighty dollars. So that puts it firmly. Um, even if you have to pay for it, it puts it into the affordable category for almost everybody. And anybody who's diabetic, I firmly, firmly suggest that you know you get in touch with your doctor if you're not already doing it. Oh. And and I don't see any reason why a doctor would say no.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I, of course, I'm not diabetic. I would just be doing it as an, an unequal one to see the effects of different foods on my body, because I think that would be fascinating. But it's definitely something I'm thinking about. So I want to talk about the diabetes. So Todd, you said you've been a diabetic, you said 12 to 13 years?
2: Yeah, just about that. I kind of found out in a in a really weird way. Um, I went to apply for life insurance. And um you know, they make you go through all your tests. They do blood work and, you know, they took blood for me and they sent it off to the tester. And um, I had a quote, you know, for a certain dollar figure for how much that amount of life insurance was going to cost me. And then I got a notice back from the insurance company saying, hey, there's some anomaly with your blood work that, um, you know, our rate that we quoted you, uh, well, it's actually going to triple. Now, I got. The, yeah, wow. well, that was a very eye opening statement. And I was like, what's going on here? And they're like, well, we can't, we can't tell you.
0: Yeah. You're three times more likely to die, Todd. So we're, we're not going to insure
1: you.
2: (laughs) Right. You can have insurance, but you're going to have to pay three times as much for it. And I'm like, so can you tell me what it was? And they're like, no, but we can send the results to your doctor and your doctor can tell you. And I went all medical professional on them saying, you know, I'm a pharmacist. I, I can interpret all this stuff. I know what you're talking about. Oh, well, HIPAA prevents us from doing that. And I was like, mm, not really. So I said, All right, send it off to my doctors. I want to find out what's going on. Well, I went through the entire weekend thinking I've got some awful disease that's gonna, you know, kill me in some terrible ravage my body way. And, you know, finally it was Monday or Tuesday, I got the call from my doctor and she's like, I'm not sure what they found wrong with it, but your A1C was six point one. And I was like, So that makes me what, pre-diabetic? She's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, so you're telling me I need to make some changes. And we went through that whole thing. And, you know, I, I'll admit I was a terrible newly diagnosed diabetic. I should have known better, but it was one of those, you know, I, I gained quite a bit of weight. I, at this point in time, I was probably about you know, 270, 275 pounds. And I knew I needed to lose weight, but I just, I was just not in that right mindset to be able to say I'm going to tackle this change. So, I remember this display was probably, you know, a year and a half, 2 years later I met my, you know, doctor's visit, I had to go every 3 months now because I'm, you know, diabetic. And um, I remember like sitting across from my doctor and she she just she's shaking her head and she's like looking at the lab results and she she muttered under her breath. She's like you're going to be one of those bad diabetics, aren't you? <laughs> and, well, it was one of those that, Oh no. you know, I've known my doctor for, for, at that point for about five years. And as a fellow medical professional, like we speak clearly to each other, you know, even to this day, if, you know, I go in, it's like, okay, here's what's going on. She's like, oh, you know, we have a good relationship. But that was that moment that it kind of like smacked me right between the eyes. And I was like, oh, I need to make some changes. And I, you know, I went through this whole process, you know, at that point in time, I was on, you know, a whole boatload of metformin, my blood sugars were still out of control, I was, you know, probably, you know, increasing in weight. And then one day, it's kind of a funny thing, because Nicole and I have talked about this many times, but I was watching The Biggest Loser. And, you know, I'm sure most of the audience here has, has seen it at some point. But one of the shows is when the doctor meets with the with the contestant and, you know, he goes through their medical history, what their numbers are and all of this stuff. And the, the doctor was talking about, you know, the medications that this guy was on. And, you know, obviously as a pharmacist, I'm, I know exactly what they are, but what hit me on a personal level was as he was naming off the medications, I'm going, Oh no, I take that. Oh, I take that too. And he named off like three meds that I was on at the same time. And, I'm sitting here on the couch. You know, I, this is probably you know ten or twelve years ago. And I'm sitting on the couch, probably eating snacks that I shouldn't have eaten, and watching The Biggest Loser and seeing that that contestant who was probably, you know, a, a lot of the contestants on the show were were quite large. He was probably a four hundred pound gentleman, and we're on the same meds and we're in basically the same medical condition.
0: So that was like your slap you in the face
2: moment, right? Oh, that was a slap me in the face on both sides of the face, uh both cheeks, you know, smack on the butt, you name it.
0: That <laughs> you know, I think we have to have one of those, don't oh, yeah. we?
2: That was uh as as some people refer to it, that was my CTJ moment.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Come, come to exactly. Jesus, right? That
0: was your come come to Jesus yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do differently? I know you you were not anywhere close to intermittent fasting at that point. You were still, you know, a decade away from that. But what did you do differently after that biggest loser slap in the face?
2: Well, that night or actually that morning, the next morning, I got up and I hopped on the scale And, and I looked down at the scale and it said 298. And I said a few choice words that I'll edit right now. But (laughs) I said, that number is not going to go higher.
0: You didn't want to see a three
2: ever. I did not want to see a three ever. So, at that, you know, after that moment, I went downstairs and I, you know, dusted off the old treadmill that I had sitting in the basement. And uh, for the first time in probably two years, I got on it and uh, I set it up. And for 15 minutes, I walked at like two miles an hour with 0% incline. And I thought I was going to die. But that was my turning point. And I started exercising. And I did you know a whole bunch of different things. I started doing um, you know, P90X, did some of the Beachbody programs. But I didn't really change the way I ate appreciably. But I started to lose weight. You know, I mean, doing all of that activity, there's a certain point where you can't help but not lose weight. But I also plateaued fairly quickly, so
0: yeah. Did you see any benefit with your diabetes as a result of the increasing the exercise?
2: um, Somewhat, but not all that much. Uh, My blood sugar readings were still, you know, still high. My A one C was still probably hovering around seven, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, is not terrible, but it's not good either. You should be normal, non diabetic is like five point five or lower so right but you know being at a 7 you know as a pharmacist i've had patients that are at like 1415 and i'm like whoa hold on a minute. you need to do something right quick but you know so i kind of self-justified a 7 that's not that bad you know i'm not that bad you know right. but it, you know long term it's it's terrible for you
0: so did you just kind of drift on like this for for a while i did until you find finally found intermittent fasting um
2: i i did this for a while i you know, I lost probably, I got down to about 220 um, just through uh, exercise. Uh, I, as I said, I didn't really change my diet all that much. But when Nicole and I got together, you know, her sister uh, was doing triathlon. So, you know, I had a history when I was younger of, you know, riding bike. So I, you know, she asked me for some tips on riding bike because it's not her strongest uh, strength. She's an incredible swimmer, but not that strong of a bike rider. But so I got back on the bike and we did some, you know, some training rides and she kind of corralled me into, you know, doing triathlon. So, you know, this was probably, you know, seven years ago now. And, um, you know, again, that's where I got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to make even even more, I need to make bigger improvements in, in what I do. And I, you know, did a couple of different things. My My weight went all over the place. But one thing that I did notice was that, my health improved. And you know, Nicole and I got together and we kind of went from there.
1: We really began eating a healthier lifestyle, eating very clean, not the packaged foods. We weren't soda drinkers. We're not, you know, huge consumptions of alcohol. You know, we ate really good foods and um, we didn't have sugary foods in the house. We didn't, you know, didn't have sugar cereals and things like that. So we ate very healthy, but weight loss was still slow for both of us. And even over the years when, you know, I think back, I've been dieting for 25 years, that, you know, I've done Weight Watchers, even in Weight Watchers, I was an extremely slow loser, a quarter of a pound, a half a pound, a pound, I go down three pounds, and then up two pounds. So I have found that through intermittent fasting as well, is that, and I don't want to say that I've only lost 20 pounds that I have lost 20 pounds and I am grateful for that because had I gained 20 pounds during these last 15 months, I would be upset with myself. So 20 pounds is still 20 pounds. and But what I have gained from intermittent fasting far outweighs the number on the scale and the size of my clothes. It has really been developing a healthy mindset and really becoming empowered, in control of my life, feeling like less insecure in examining the reasons why I emotionally eat, why I turn to food when I'm stressed or when I'm upset, and really examining my life in my relationships. So it really wasn't until I fell away in November, and I said, no way November, not I'm not going to do it. Um, because I am a person who is completely or was addicted to the scale, morning and night, every day. So it was difficult. I, you know, that first week, I was like, I just want to get on the scale. What if I just get on it just, just for a moment. So I made it. And then that month, I lost four and a half pounds, the biggest loss I've had, you know, in almost, it was actually a year at that point.
0: Wow. So you stayed off the scale for a month, weighed yourself a month later and found you were down four
1: and a half pounds, four and a half pounds. And I thought, In November. In November. So I thought, okay, what's the correlation here? What is the scale? Like, it is so, I have such an unhealthy relationship with the scale. It is so crazy. And then I really started realizing, what is it about the scale? So, you know, I started thinking, I walk into the bathroom and I look at this negative object because it never tells me the results that I want to see. I would get on it in the morning and I'll be like, well, I didn't lose any weight. So I would go to work feeling stressed. Then I come home, and I ate really well all day long, drank water, ate clean, had a good dinner, I exercise. I get on the scale, I'll be like, okay, I'm up about three and a half pounds, that puts me about this. And if it wasn't that in the morning, I'll be like, well, I guess I failed again, I guess something must be wrong with me. So I have lived that lifestyle, that that constant stress, morning and night, every day, as we know, what stress does is it releases that lovely hormone cortisol. So I...
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and the stress can actually cause your body to be less likely to release the weight. Yeah.
1: So, you know, topple that with, you know, just kind of feeling insecure, not very confident, you know, worrying about what other people think, not, you know, not really completely feeling at peace with myself, not liking my body image yeah, packing that scale away was probably the most empowering thing I could have ever done for my life. Like, I've read it in the groups for months and months. And you would say, just pack that scale away, throw it away. And I'd be like, I can't do it. And it really is such a crippling crutch to hold on to that. Because, you know, my body changed. Even though I, you know, I've lost 20 pounds, I've gone down almost two sizes. And my body has physically changed. But the mental change that I have gone through, I am so much stronger in ways that I never thought that I would be. I'm actually a lot more confident. I feel, you know, less insecure about myself. Um, I've always been kind of shy. So sharing my story online or even sharing pictures is very much out of my comfort zone. So I slowly started, you know, sharing some things in the group you know, sharing on my own personal page. And so sharing such a personal story about your weight loss and your insecurities for everyone to read. That was like a super scary moment for myself. But then I realized that the feedback I got from people was so amazing. And it just felt, wow, if my story just empowered one person, that's all that matters. So yeah, I've really just, I've been writing more. I've been trying to feel more confident about sharing my story and s- stop, you know, weighing. I don't get on the scale, but I did bring it back into the bathroom and you know what? I, I don't even look at it. I, I don't even feel like I need to step on it.
0: So it's, it's reclaimed reclaimed its rightful place is something that does not hold any kind of power over you and it doesn't pull you to, to just... See what it says anymore.
1: Exactly. I step on it and I'm I'm so in tune with my body that I can pretty much tell within a pound. So I really don't need the scale to tell me how much I weigh because I pretty much know. But you know, after the holidays I gained like three and a half pounds, and any other time I would have been devastated by that. And I thought, you know what? I enjoyed the month of December. It was the holidays, we had parties. And I just lived like I didn't I didn't hold back. I didn't feel restricted. I didn't feel like I can't have this and I can't have that. I had it and I didn't feel guilty about it because tomorrow is always another day. I love that. That's great. Yeah, it's that we've been, um, you know, we're both slow losers, but in losing and losing weight, that is right. But the mental mind shift that we have both had through this process has really been a truly amazing a journey, and I think that had I lost all my weight, I don't know as though I would have developed this type of mindset, this type of gratitude that I feel every day. We both started doing a gratitude journal, started you know listening to a lot of podcasts and you know watching YouTube videos about Dr. Fung and and Dr. Herring, and even just inspirational videos, and really just focusing on just feeling good about ourselves. And that has just been amazing. So I don't, you know, I've been with Todd for seven years. And in those seven years, I've gained and lost 35 or so pounds three times. Wow. So, you know, I'm just tired of that constant yo-yo. And I just, I really feel like I'm in a really good spot in my life. And yeah, it's, I've stuck with this. Like I, I fully believe in this lifestyle from day one when Kim started talking to me about it and then reading your book. I was like, no, nope, this is my lifestyle. I, I'm out of that diet mentality and this is just how I'm going to continue living my life. And I'm very grateful and blessed that Todd does this with me and that we both have the same journey, that we're both experiencing the same things at the same time and we're both developing that healthier mindset together versus being on completely different, you know, pages. So it's been a really amazing journey for both of us as a
2: couple.
0: I think that's amazing. And, you know, when you were talking, you used words like, you know, empowered and mentally stronger. And, and that is just huge because, you know, we, you, you talked about that you've gained and lost 35 pounds three times in seven years. Did, you, did any of those other things that you did make you feel
1: empowered or mentally stronger? Never. Never. See, this is so much different. Because Weight Watchers, I hate to write things down. I hate counting calories. I I just despise it. And you know, I've done Weight Watchers three times actually in those seven years. You know, and I've done Eat Right for Your Blood type. I've done Paleo. I've done I have done so many things over the years. And it's just, I did the blood type uh, one, by the way.
0: I did that too back in the day. Goodness. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, the lemonade detox diet. And, I like, did that too. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy the things that we do. And I, you know, I just like, gosh, can you just get your stuff together? Can you just pull yourself together and just find what works? And, you know, yeah. Todd and I were talking today and I was saying, you know, I got to about March and I'm like, not really losing. What am I doing wrong? And I just couldn't figure it out, so I started really tweaking what I was eating and when I was eating it. Initially, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna open my window at one, but I've got to cram all of this food in in five hours," and I would stress myself out about it. So I would have like a big salad, and I would have something else with it, and fruit, and I would have a snack, and then dinner. And then I was like, "Okay, well, try having a smaller snack. Like, you don't need to bring lunch." So I would start bringing smaller snacks. And I was never a coffee drinker. So I never had to adapt to the whole drinking black coffee. So I was always a huge water drinker. So I started drinking more green tea. I was like, still not losing, right? So I would, you know, make my windows long. I would make my fasting times longer. Instead of being 16 hours, I would do like 20. I thought, okay, I would do that for a month and nothing. Like I just plateaued. I'd go between up and down five pounds. And I thought, this is crazy. Seriously, how? Why can't I lose weight? What am I doing wrong? And it wasn't until November when I packed that scale away. And I realized I'm not doing anything wrong. My body is just healing in ways that are not going to be reflected on the number on the scale. My body is healing mentally and internally, spiritually, even just things in my heart that I feel just that gratitude. So yeah, I'm. I'm so comfortable in my body now. I wouldn't say I always look at myself and say, uh, "No, I still don't like my thighs. I still don't like still right. my face is still rounder." Or I'll look at pictures and I'll be like, "Do I really look like that?" But I, I have a much. I, I, can quickly turn it around now, and I can say, "No, you, you look great. You're beautiful. You're healthy. You have so much to be thankful for, and you're in, in, in control in your life and." You freed yourself from food prison. That was something that I had written about. And, you know, feeling trapped in, by food and our choices is just, right. it is such an awful feeling. So to be free from that and just um, being at peace with food and relationship with food. And, and, yeah, it's, I cannot recommend this enough to anyone, but just to be patient it takes time to heal. I started this journey wanting to lose weight. And I've gained so much more than I never thought was possible. Oh, I love it, that. it, you know, it just kind of makes me it gives me a little bit of goosebumps just thinking about how much I how much I've changed. And I'm so proud of myself, because a year ago, I wouldn't have said that I was proud of myself a year ago, I wouldn't have been confident, I would still be worrying, you know, saying, I'm doing something wrong. You know,
2: and I think that was the. Big it thing. took
1: 24 years to get to this weight. It's not going to happen over over six months or you know eight months for me. I'm I'm still
2: slowly getting there. I think what you know Nicole and I have been talking about this is that having done all the various different diet modalities that we've tried over the last you know for her you know 20 odd years. I'm a few years older than her, so I can say almost 30 years. I think we've done, for lack of a better term, enough damage to our bodies that it took time for the body to be like, okay, are you really going to stick with this? Is this for real? Are you going to try some crazy thing again? You know, is this the cabbage soup diet that you're going to eat this for a week and you're going to hope to lose, you know, 20 pounds? Yep.
0: Me too. I did that one. Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> so I, I think it was, you know, our bodies, for lack of a better term, were in. In that recovery mode, like, okay, you're really serious about this. You're going to stick with it. And when we, you know, we have stuck with it. And yeah, as Nicole said, we haven't been the fastest losers in terms of, you know, numbers on the scale. But we talk about non scale victories. For for years, I was a 40 waist person. Sometimes I was a little bit higher than that. I think my highest was probably a 44. For guys, that's our number. I know for women, you've got all your your numbers and your sizes and all of that. But for the big thing for the guys is like what's the waist on your pants? And when I first started, I was a, a 3840. And you know, for the last, I want to say eight to ten months, maybe a little bit longer, I've been in 36. Now the last time I was in 36 inch waist oh, pants, yeah. I was in high school. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm still a bigger wow. guy. You know, right now I'm probably about 230, but I'm six feet tall. You know, and people that I talk to are like, you don't look like you weigh 230. And I was like, remember, I do triathlon. They're like, oh, and I go. Oh, yeah, you've got a lot of muscle then. Bingo. Muscle is a lot more dense than fat. So, you know, where I don't look really big, I've, you know, I've got a lot of that muscle. And, you know, that's a that's a huge difference. So I would, of course, love to, you know, get down in weight, but it's a slow but gradual process. And. I'm not disappointed at all with the progress. It's, you know, it's what my body needs to do to heal itself. And, you know, reducing that stress that Nicole was talking about is has been a tremendous benefit for both of us.
3: Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Awards Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, We think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
0: So let's talk about um, your diabetes again, circle back around to that. How has your health changed since you started intermittent fasting as far as the the diabetes?
2: Uh, Let's see. My last A1C was 5.2. Uh, Ooh, yeah.
0: So you for listeners, remember Todd said before five point five is the threshold above which you're diabetic. And so you are below that threshold.
2: Absolutely. And in fact, at my last visit with my doctor, she's like, since you're no longer diabetic, and I was like, Well, technically, aren't I still diabetic? She's like, Well, according to your test results, you're no longer diabetic. And I've had a, you know, I've done a lot of discussing with various folks about that. And I think, I can't remember who it was, but it was in one of one of the many groups that, that I'm in. But I had uh, somebody refer to, you know, a person who's diabetic. Your body has shown the propensity to enter a diabetic state.
0: Ah, oh, that's a good way of putting it.
2: Yeah. And that was like a, a very, you know, the light bulb went on moment for me. Because I, I used to say like, oh, I've cured my diabetes. Well, I have and I have it. My body still has the propensity that if I, you know, fall off the wagon and I start eating, you know, terrible for me food again, that I'll, you know, my A1C will skyrocket and my blood sugars will go off the rails and, you know, everything will be bad. But, you know, 5.2 puts me out of even pre-diabetes. So, you know, technically speaking, I'm not diabetic, but. As I That's really yeah, amazing. And-
0: but your body still has that propensity If you went back to eating all day long.
2: If I went to eating three meals a day and multiple snacks and, you know, not paying attention to what I eat. I generally eat lower carb, uh, mostly because of the diabetes. But, you know, as I said, you know, in that time frame from when I first started intermittent fasting to now, I think my first A1C was like 6.2 and now I'm at 5.2. And, yeah, I I attribute most of that, if not all of that gain to um, intermittent fasting.
0: You're going to be one of those bad diabetics.
2: I proved her wrong.
0: <laughs> well, you were bad at being diabetic because you made it go away right now, right? <laughs>
2: that's, that's exactly correct. Yeah. And it was, uh, and I, I've actually mentioned that to her when I've gone back. I said, do you remember that? And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't. I said, <laughs> but, but that stuck with me. And and I said, it, it was one of those things where, you know, we all have those moments where, you know, you. For lack of a better term, you hit rock bottom. But that was a moment where I was like, "No, I'm not going to be that bad diabetic that my doctor thinks I am." And that's you know kind of when I add all those things together, like that aha moment watching The Biggest Loser, that aha moment with my doctor. You know, it's when you put all those together, then it's like, bam! You know, I've got it. Yeah. And the other thing was when I first when I started intermittent fasting, I had gone back on medication for diabetes, and I've I've gotten rid of that too.
0: So you were on all those medications that the um the contestant on Biggest Loser was on um and you're not on those anymore? Yes,
2: you. I, I am not on any of
0: them. Oh. Big round of applause. Yeah, I'm clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet clapping, but that's just amazing.
2: Yeah, I mean for diabetes right now I don't take any medication. I am completely managing it through diet and exercise.
0: And you know, we we hear that diabetes is always progressive and it always gets worse and you cannot reverse this. And, and you're, once you're on the medication, it just keeps getting worse and worse, but that has not been true for you.
2: That's not true for me. And honestly, it should not be true for anybody. You know, as you know, take this directly from Dr. Fung, diabetes is a lifestyle disease. You're you're doing something wrong to your body and that's how your body is responding. You know, if you eat properly, you can cure diabetes. And that goes for, I'm going to say, virtually anybody out there.
0: Yeah, I I would like to take a copy of the diabetes code and put it into the hands of everyone with type 2 diabetes. It should be
2: mandatory. I mean, when when you're diagnosed as, as diabetic, it should be literally the first thing your doctor either gives you or tells you to go by. Hands down.
0: So has your doctor read the diabetes code?
2: Um, I have recommended it to her. And another thing, with that last visit that I went to see her, her husband has actually started intermittent fasting.
0: Oh, see, now I love that so much.
2: <laughs> and I looked, I looked at her, and I'm like, "Well, what about you?" And she's like, "I'm letting him run his experiment before I go through with it." So I, you know, I I took that moment to mention, you know, the diabetes, the, the diabetes code, the obesity code, and your book. And she's like. She had that look on her face and she knows the progress that I've made. And, you know, from that experiment of one, I think I'm winning her over. I I, I love it. I think next time I I go to see her, she may actually be like, all right, I gave in. I'm doing it now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think I was the one
1: that mentioned it to her first because we both see the same doctor and told her what I was doing. And she had that kind of look like well, you know, make sure that, you know, you're eating your portion size, because nuts have a lot of high fat and all of that. And I thought, hmm, okay, I'm just gonna let this ride. I'm not gonna really, you know, because, you know, before I started intermittent fasting, before I met Todd, I had cleaned up my diet a lot. So when I started intermittent fasting, and like Todd, I was like, well, I can have what I want. So I introduced bread and pasta and those starchy carbs back into my diet. And I realized, that's not what my body needs. For me, I have to eat a lower, a lower carb, higher fat, higher protein. And that's what makes me feel really good. That's what makes me feel energized. That's what keeps me, you know, fasting, you know, for 18 hours. Um, It's, yeah, I, when I eat carbs, I just do not feel good. And I wish that I could eat them all the time. But I, you know, I will still have them periodically. But I just have to be prepared that, okay, I might feel a little bloated, I might get a headache or, or, you know, certain things like that. So,
0: and this is such an important thing, you know, to to talk about with people, you're choosing to eat in a way that you have discovered works best for your body. And so some people every now and then will be like, well, well I thought we were supposed to delay, don't deny. I'm like, well, but that doesn't mean you know, when, when you know something doesn't work well for your body, that's like eating like a grown-up. It's not, you know, you're not like denying yourself something. You're you're eating like an adult because you know that doesn't work for you.
2: Exactly. That's kind of like my And it took a long time. That's like my scenario with like, oh, I can eat my ice cream. Well, no, I really can't and I really shouldn't. But, it, you know, that's what it comes down to is that we've, you know, through our individual experiments of one, we've we figured out really what works for uh, both of us in terms of what makes us feel good in what we eat. And I think we're blessed and incredibly lucky that for the most part, they overlap.
0: Yeah. Y'all are very lucky that um, both of you do well with the, with the same kinds of foods. That probably makes it a lot easier to to have dinner at your house, right?
2: It does. And it's, it's funny you mentioned having dinner because I've been debating for probably a couple of months right now about moving to a warming window. Uh, right now, we're, we're afternoon to early evening window and again, having read the diabetes code and knowing how insulin works and all of that other stuff, I, I know that I get a stronger insulin response in the morning without having to, you know, basically excrete enough ins- as much insulin. So using that philosophy, I've, I've been toying with the idea of going to a, a morning window, but we'll lose eating dinner together. And I'm, I'm not quite sure that I want to do that yet.
0: Yeah. Cause you know, eating is so much more than just putting in you know gas in the gas tank there's a social aspect there's the pleasure aspect you know your car never says hey that was delicious your car is just using the gas to get around but it's such a, a sensory approach and eating with others it feels feels like an important part of that doesn't it
2: yeah for us it's you know connecting at the end of our day and like oh how did your day go it's you know it's not just shoveling food into our mouths you know it's conscious mindful eating but we're also you know gradual about it and you know dinner when we sit down we may be sitting down for you know half an hour sometimes even more we're just you know talking about our days and you know catching up and everything like that so you know what it's mindful eating and I think that's a a big thing that culturally a lot of Americans have completely lost. Oh you're right. You know I know I know from like you know having lunch at work that you know, it's like, oh, I've only got a half an hour for lunch. Well, I've got to shovel everything in my mouth. Otherwise, you know, I don't eat lunch anymore. But I just remember that, you know, that rationale when I was you know, doing that at work. And that's completely counterproductive. Right.
0: So we are really almost out of time, which is always hard to imagine because it goes so fast. So as we wrap this up, I would like for each of you to take a moment and just in like a minute or so, a minute and a half, what is your very best advice that you would give to somebody who is just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you you first started?
1: Nicole, can we start with you? Sure. So be patient. I know we see a lot of times in Facebook groups, you know, people say, you know, give it a month or give it three months. Again, don't think of it as that diet mentality. Think of this as a lifestyle change. And, you know, for me, it's been 15, almost 16 months. And patience is not something that I have a lot of. So I've really had to learn to be patient, to trust your body, to listen, figure out what works for you. If you had a bad day, don't let whatever food choice you make ruin the entire day for you. Just move on with your day. Just be okay. Like, I didn't make the healthiest food choice or I ate way too much. Instead of, you know, using that as a punishment, well, I guess I, you know, I just failed. Just let it be a lesson for next time that, okay, I know when I ate this way, I felt awful. Just be more cautious, more aware of how your body feels and and just enjoy the process and en- enjoy the benefits that come from, you know, developing such healthy, benefits around the healthy mindset, the the physical aspects of it all, and just don't get caught up in the number on the scale. Throw the scale yeah. away. I, I <laughs> just toss it. Just burn it. Like if we could all just have yeah. a burn party and just put them all in one pile, that would be great.
0: I Yeah, I'm with you on that just because for me, as long as I kept getting on it, I was still caught in that diet mindset and getting rid of it it really did feel like I was freed from something. <laughs> even, even you know, just it, it, just felt like such a, such a freeing moment for me when I
2: threw that scale in the garbage.
0: So true. <laughs> so Todd, that was great advice from Nicole. What would you say?
2: Well, she kind of served it up like a softball, uh, a softball toss <laughs> for me. But the big thing that I would say, you know, obviously have some patience. But this is not a diet. Uh, I right. refer to diet as die with a T attached. Um, so this is absolutely not a diet. You are changing your way of associating with food in a way that is so incredibly positive. You just need to, if you're new to it, you're not really going to appreciate that for a while. That while is going to be different for every individual, but have some patience and you have to commit to it. And, you know, before long, you'll, you'll start to see benefits that are you know, some people see benefits on the scale right away. But as you're saying, you know, get rid of it. You know, look at your clothes, see how they fit. Look at your look at yourself in the mirror. What do you see in that mirror? Do you still see, you know, the old you? Because before long, you're going to see a completely new you.
0: Right. And people are going to notice that, that you look so much more vibrantly healthy. I think we see that so often. But I, I love at the beginning how you said it's not a diet. And I specifically did not use the word diet anywhere in the title of my book because I, I want people to see this as a, a lifestyle. And that's really what it is. You know, how many diet books have we read that said that though, this is not a diet, it's a lifestyle, but then they really were a diet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But when, you have, when you have so many rules to a diet that goes back to that whole stress thing that we've been talking about, you know, earlier in the, in the podcast, but you know, you know, Get rid of the stress, ditch the stress, stick with the way of living and the way of eating. And you'll just, it changes you so much.
0: Yeah. And one bit of advice that someone gave, I wish I could remember who it was. Someone in the Facebook group said, tweak it till it's easy. And, you know, that just really stuck with me. You know, when you're trying to live intermittent fasting as a lifestyle, tweak it till it's easy. And then you'll know. Now, does that mean it's easy every second of every day?
2: No, no. (laughs)
0: But overall, it should feel like a lifestyle. Well, Nicole and Todd, I have really enjoyed having you on the podcast today as our first intermittent fasting interview with a couple. And I look forward to continuing to follow your journey. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you very much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com